This is Making It Happen by Sims, a podcast that brings people, business and technology together. Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of Making It Happen by Sims. My name is Mel um, and in this episode we will be discussing the importance of culture alignment in business in 2023 and beyond. I'm thrilled to be speaking with our dear colleague and friend of Sims, Luke Hall at Revolve. Welcome. Hey Mel, thanks for having <laughs> me on. I'm super excited. I was um, uh, yeah, very honoured to be asked to join you on this one and all things um, culture as we'll be talking about and I think it's going to be a great great conversation brilliant and we are very pleased to have you so and um, for those that may not know um so if you can just please introduce yourself and tell us a little about uh, what you do so Luke Hall I'm managing director of an organization called Revolve uh, we specialize in leadership and people development uh, supporting organizations in their growth be it through creating cultural alignment and developing the people throughout the organization in many different skills, as I say, from leadership and management skills to those personal skills everybody needs on a day-to-day basis. Um, had the pleasure of doing that for many, many years now, uh, or, or in lots of different industries and sectors all over the world. Um, and we, we love it. We love what we do every single day. And Sims is part of that. We've been working with you for well over a decade now. Um, and it, it, you you all uh, are, are part of our journey. So I'm so, so pleased I get to be part of this conversation with you because I think there's a lot of things we'll be discussing that link back to what, what Sims is and what a brilliant organisation is. Oh, well, thank you. And 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 absolutely, I think um, partnership has, has, has been key to that. So, <laughs> um, sure. so let's get into it then. Um, so what is exactly is cultural alignment um, and why is it important in today's business? Um, and has it changed in recent years? I think I, I'll start that back to front. Yeah, it has changed and we can pick up on some of those things. For me, cultural alignment is about everybody throughout the organisation belonging to something that truly matters. And in order to understand what they belong to it's about everybody being aligned to its purpose where it's going what it's trying to achieve what it delivers for its customers um how they play a part in doing that and i think how's a critical piece it's about everybody understanding what's expected of them um and about what they can expect from the people around them it's about everybody moving in the same direction aligned to its purpose and I think the term belonging is, is is a huge part of of how people can almost start to recognize it throughout their business more so than ever I believe in this day and age people do look way beyond just the paycheck just the job just the the uh the promotions and climbing the the ladder yeah. people genuinely want to do something that matters and they want to belong to something that does um, and I think that's where alignment needs to be created in terms of how has it changed over the years? Well, it, it's become more prevalent. It's become more of a requirement. People have more choice. Yes. We have learned so much about ourselves as individuals over the past three or four years on a global scale that people realize that choice is there. They don't have to be bound by um the same organization, the lifers that, that sometimes stay in an organization for years yeah. due to a, an obligation. It's, well, no, there's great businesses out there. There's great opportunities. And therefore, if we 
don't create environments and places for people to come where they belong to something that matters, that they feel safe, they feel connected, they feel aligned, then people will start to look elsewhere because there's so many opportunities and examples of organisations where they can go and get it. And I think people want that just as much as they do all of those other things that come with a career. Yeah, and and that's really true. I mean, let's face it, you, you, that phrase of safe, I think in recent years, that's something that hasn't felt that, you know, it, things, the world has been a strange place. So um, yeah. to almost have a constant and feel that within your workplace that you are sort of, you are uh, needed and that you um, are part of something bigger. Um, I think that definitely helps that, you know, you make sure that um, you know that you um, you're you're part of something that's bigger than just like you say the the, the money um, that perhaps a business is making. So yeah, brilliant. So how do you define organisational um, culture, um, and what are some of the key elements to make a strong culture? Uh, it's I mean that is such a huge question. I'm actually going to start with um, a definition that I saw online, probably one of my favourite things that I've I've seen throughout my career. It's by a lady called Jack Phillips, an expert in um, leadership and people development, uh, speaker, author, um, and she said that culture is your employees' stomachs, how your employees' stomachs feel about Monday morning on a Sunday night. So, it, so it's all about how people feel, um, and that that to me struck a chord because I've had many times in my career where a Sunday has been a night of peril because I'm not looking forward to a Monday morning, and that's having then taken over my own organisation. I've I've experienced and pursued so many challenges over the last three years that I never would have imagined that I'd have been put in front of me. But yet I got up on a Monday morning excited because not just because of my business, but because of the people that I work with, because of the clients that we work with, because of the way that we do things. So in terms of defining the culture, it, I think it's unique to every individual business it's unique to how they want to set their people up but for me the, def the definition has to come down to how your people feel and and it and, and that summary of how your stomachs your people's stomachs feel on a Sunday night about a Monday morning to me just gave me so many feelings of the past where I know that that's not been a good representation representation um so the, the definition is it does come down to what you set your people up with. And also, if you look at the success of culture, if you've defined it well, it's about the inputs. It's about not what the business delivers. It's about all of those things that we discussed at the start, the environment that we create. So how is that defined within your business? The way that your people engage with one another. I think one of the great things that we've worked on recently with Sims and and really stood out for me is that you've you've got something called performing at sims yeah. and that is made of four pillars um those pillars go from the definition of success individually for each person then you've got the behaviors of the pillar to the, the the leadership culture and behaviors that we've created three is around job role so those how do all those three things connect but most importantly and this was the bit that i thought was 
absolutely inspired about Sims is par four was Team Sims. And that, again, is a great example of defining culture is that in order to perform at Sims, you are part of, you've got your own job role, you've got your own behaviours, you've got your own definition of success, but you are part of a team. Yeah. And it is a collective approach. And for me, that's what culture, where culture really comes to life is that the belonging part is belonging to the organization and where it's going belonging to a great group of people and people being happy where they work feeling comfortable and feeling safe if you can get measures in place that truly connect all of those things then i would suggest that they are they are the real things that matter and i think you're right there i think it's the relationships isn't it i mean some of those you know they're happening or happening organically isn't it so by enjoying your environment and your work colleagues that then you're happier and then everybody performs better so it seems like a simple uh, a simple solution but um it is something that perhaps like you say having that definition um everybody's aligned i think that definitely um definitely helps us on our way so thank you for that um and just say in, in- in terms of businesses, the reason I say it's unique to every business is because every business, its cultural should be different. Yes. The point is different industries will determine a different approach as well. So you have got to look outside and say, what are we about? What are we delivering? And therefore, if you're in the public sector versus you're in uh, you know, product sales or you're in a, a SaaS business, uh, you know, logistics like yourselves, there's going to be there's going to be nuances that therefore create a different type of culture and therefore the definition will always be different you've just got to make sure you define it for yourselves and that's it and I suppose by for me then that means that then when you're working with customers that makes it an exciting um you know relationship to build upon you know you find a alignment with your your partners um whilst there might be different sort of like you say their vision or whatever might be different but fundamentally I think you end up um sort of working well with people that sort of align um culturally as well so um yeah really really good example thank you um so how do you think cultural alignment um impact employing employee engagement um, and productivity so and why do you think it's crucial for overall business success so there's a, I think there's a standout uh, example in the UK. Uh, so Timpsons, if you live in the UK, you'll know is um, a, a bit of a stalwart of a, of a brand. Uh, so shoe repairs, uh, key cutting. Um, it's got one of the, the largest retail footprints uh, in the UK, if not the biggest. And if you want to look at how it increases employee engagement they their 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 employee retention is off the charts and there's a reason it's absolutely off the charts there's case studies everywhere but they were tested like everybody else during the pandemic in a way that their response wasn't just there for an opportunity to create a good pr representation of themselves it's deep rooted in what they do. They, on a weekly basis, were making up uh, the up to 100% of the, the furlough itself. It was costing the organisation, through no other funding, half a million pounds a week, and they committed to do that throughout. I know a similar approach was taken by Sims. And I've spoke to colleagues within Sims who said how safe they felt. Rourke immediately said right off the bat, regardless of all of the nuances of furlough and you know who was going to get what, doesn't matter. Right from the beginning, this is who we are and this is what we stand for and we will stand by that. 
Other examples during the same time, Weatherspoon's pups, the owner came out and said that uh, they would not pay out until they received the money from the government. And their response to people saying that, that wasn't right is, well, if people are short of money, I hear Tesco's are hiring. Versus Sports Direct, who tried to put a case forward that their work was essential workers, their people were essential workers to open their stores and sell sports gear. Yet Timpsons stands by its people right, right from the beginning. And in turn, their retention rates are through the roof. They don't only do that. It isn't just about, uh, as I said, uh, a self-serving PR stunt. You know, they, uh, the company has an active scheme in recruiting ex-offenders um, and they give everybody a, a day off for their birthday, a week off to get married. Uh, they have holiday accommodation around the country that they allow people to use. These things are deep rooted. So there's an absolute link between the business that they they work for and the people wanting to be there. I'm sure people that, that, that were treated badly by businesses are still there. My question would be, will they always be? Yeah. And also, if you look at the average hire, they believe in the UK, the, it costs an average of over third, just over £30,000 to rehire. So if you lose someone to recruit, to find them, train them, to get them productive within their role, uh, so they, you know, it takes a certain amount, they think about 18 weeks to get someone almost functioning within their role. They reckon there is almost an upfront cost that you won't see everywhere, but in people's time of over £30,000. So if you, you rehire 10 people a year, it's £300,000 in time and money and all of these different things. And therefore, the measure is there. Timpsons doesn't have to pay that out as much because their retention is so high because of how they treat their people. There is a direct correlation in that organisation. There's a direct correlation in your organisation, Mel, between yeah. people staying and the place you create. Go on, sorry. And No, well, I, th I think you're right. I think and by working with an organisation, like you say, those those life events I think that's really um fundamental I know that Rourke you know whenever someone gets married or something I mean I invited Rourke to my wedding reception um and I'm pleased to say he came along with uh, with his wife um but it was it felt really special um and I think that is it's a a, a bond we've got outside of the business um so I think that's a really um sort of like you say it's a more more of a deep-rooted thing um but I did yeah. know that example of, of Timpson so um off to go and have some keys cut now I think <laughs> and you speak to that we just up the road from where we are um the gentleman that's been that four years he's just he's the happiest in his job that I see anybody in a retail and I said do you, do you really love what you do he said I love my customers that's oh. why I'm here you know so connected um, you know, mid thirties. You know, we're not talking someone that's been there in fifty, sixty years and is that lifer. We're talking mid thirties, and he just genuinely loves coming to work every single day. It's because, yes, of his customers, but it's because he feels safe. Yeah. He feels connected to something. Um, and uh, James Timpson, who's the founder's son that now runs it, he um, he actually did an apprenticeship and went around the stores. And every time he moved around the stores, he um, they became the highest performing store within the chain. And he was like, why is it me that always does that? Well, it's because he could bring the supply chain manager and because it was James Timpson, they would go, oh, right, let's get everything that he wanted. If he made a decision for a customer, which is 
you've only got 20 quid, but it's going to cost you 25. Don't worry, give me 20 quid. He'd do it. So when he, he implemented, uh, became a CEO, he implemented a system of that freedom of choice. If it's right for our customer, make the right choice. If they, they did a thing around soup cleaning straight after the pandemic where they offered free soup cleaning for anybody going for interviews. That's the type of thinking that they've got. And in turn, it, in, it empowers the, the, the people within the stores to feel like they're running their own businesses. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's why they stay because they, they're connected, going back right to the cultural alignment, to the purpose of what is a brilliant business. And you, that's a really good example in the sense that customers feel connected as well. So if they feel that there's a business doing good or, um, you know, that, that, you know, that free service of, of having your, your suit cleaned, um, yeah. that is, was something that people were going back out into, you know, the working world or whatever. That's quite a scary process. Um, but by they've alleviated some of those stresses or money worries. Um, and that's a really um sort of beneficial great PR but like you say it's not that that's not obviously clearly why they've done it it's um it's part of their their culture so um fantastic um no I really love that um and uh yeah like I say I'll go in uh, go and get some shoes mended or something <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You will. You will. You'll think about it next time and go, oh, I wonder where the Timpsons is. Yeah. Because people hear those examples and they, and I, I think we'll come on to it a little bit later, Mel, but I think we talk about it from an inside out perspective in terms of how it impacts the employee and the colleague. But I think more than ever, actually, now it's starting to impact people's choices as to who they, who they go with. Yeah. Um, and, and who they will spend their money with because it yes. is how they treat their employees is, is super important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in your role at Revolve, um, what are some of the methods that you've used within companies um, that they can assess um, their current culture um, and how can they identify areas that need improvement? Um, so we, we've, we've, we've done many different things from supporting businesses to develop their vision and their purpose um, so that people understand where they're going. But a lot of the work that we do now is and it's similar to the project that we've recently done with yourselves is around creating clarity of of that how and that's wrapped around um defining what behaviors are within the business we all businesses will have values and they're they're a great set of principles and 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 things that we can connect with and, and represent outwardly for our business you know from trust to to bravery to curiosity and those are things that we want to demonstrate every single day but, but I, I truly believe that you with, with the job role you've got that sort of the numerical side of things you've got the definition of what i need to do and what i need to deliver every single day we work with businesses to create how everybody gets there. And we do that through creating culture-centered leadership. And that's where everybody throughout the organization understands uh, wherever they are within the business, they are a leader. So whether you're a leader of organization, leader of leader, leader of people, or a leader of self, everybody's bound by that, that, that last example. We all lead ourselves. We all get out of bed every single morning. But when we get into work, there are things that we can all do in terms of setting great uh, setting great standards for ourselves holding holding one another to account being honest being open giving feedback feedback is not a uh, a line manager to a colleague that's a colleague to a colleague so adopting this 
this golden thread that connects everybody, which is that we all, on some level, lead, take ownership, take accountability, and defining those behaviors. So against those different levels and throughout different levels throughout your business, you can create behaviors defined by uh, whether it's colleague, uh, a colleague level, all the way up throughout the organization, and map those. It enables people to connect to something beyond just the output. So we talked earlier about input and output. The input is the behaviors. We need to be able to measure that. We need to be able to measure because because also what you can sometimes have, and um, this isn't in your organization, but often you will see it maybe in a sales environment. You can have someone that's top, top, top performer by a mile, but treats the people around them terribly. Yeah. But therefore, if you don't have a set of behaviors to hold them to account for, you've got no way of being able to say, look, your performance is great. That only makes up 50% of what we would define as performance throughout this business, exactly as Sims have done it. Your job role is only part of the part of the story. Your behaviors and the way that you conduct yourself, you know, they could be a top performer, but come in at, you know, when come into a meeting 10 minutes late every single time because they're the top performer and nobody can say anything. Well, they're not how to account yeah. for what is those behaviors. And there's always going to be a conflict then. Do we get rid of our top performer because their behaviors are bad? But can you really hand on your heart say that their behaviors aren't necessarily impacting the people around them? Yeah. Creating distrust, creating toxicity throughout the business. And therefore, what price can you put on the people around that one individual? And that's a negative example, of course. But what you can also have the flip of that is someone that is an absolute role model. They they complete every behavior, but their performance is quite low. But you can have you could still have a, a positive and development mental conversation that says when it comes to loyalty, commitment, and behaviors, and kindness, and the, the you know belonging to this to this business and committing to this business, we can't ask for any more. But there are areas in which we can develop your skills that we need to develop your skills so that you find a bit of a balance. Does that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's almost so it's almost like there's a template, isn't there? So there's a template and kind of everybody knows where where what's expected of them in their various roles. And and I like the the leader. So I wouldn't consider in my role because I'm not in the leadership team. um, I don't manage other people. But like you say, taking responsibility to lead myself. um, And yeah, we do lead the team and other colleagues. So it empowers those that perhaps aren't in leadership roles to um, to sort of step up and know that they are they're contributing. So um, for us, I think, well, for me certainly, that's made a, an impact that behaviour does contribute to that. Um, like you say, productivity um, and overall um, sort of culture of the business. So um, yeah, really good. Um, so what are some of the key strategies um, that companies can use to achieve cultural alignment um, and how do they go about implementing those strategies? So you've mentioned they're, they're obviously the a lead myself um, template. Is there any others um, that we can? Yeah. So you, you've got the definition of behaviours, but then you've got to look at, there's a big piece around communication. So mm-hmm. how, how the organisation sets itself up um, in terms of a communication strategy, creating open, transparent communication throughout the business. Often you can find bottlenecks throughout the business because what you will have is you'll have maybe uh, in corporates, you, you'll have town halls, quarterly town halls, which are maybe the only opportunity for 
the, the 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 senior business leaders to communicate with colleagues but creating a strategy that talks about quarterly gatherings or quarterly get-togethers to you know what's the weekly updates to what are the what are the sub uh sub communication strategies within the teams everybody understanding that fundamentally communication is one of the biggest blockers to success the, the further it comes down the line the more it can be diluted so being really clear on how people take information and communicate it out yeah. because if it's misinterpreted you can have people throughout your organization going in a direction that they think is right but actually three months ago you set out a uh, you know a clear strategy that's been diluted so how they do that will depend on size and scale you know you can't have a one size fits all but regular communication and lots of different types of communication is absolutely critical because it keeps everybody aligned updates information often there's there's a, a hesitance to to give out information because it might create fear you know that some a, a, a quarterly update on numbers uh is low and therefore what that's going to create is paralysis because people are fearful for their jobs well no because if you create a great culture where people understand that they're connected to the overall purpose but we're having a bad quarter treat people like adults and tell them often there's a bit of smoke and mirrors created in business it's made so difficult so if it's anything, it is just communicate. And then if you think that you might be, uh, uh, that you need to communicate communicate again, then do. Yeah. Check, understand, engage through pulse surveys and 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 um, satisfaction surveys. They're, they've been around a long time. But again, satisfaction isn't just around, if you've created accountability through a, a culture-centric leadership model, if you've created a clear vision and purpose, if you've got defined job roles, if you've clearly said to people you're part of a team, then the questions you should therefore be asking should be really, really simple and people should understand. And it should be two-way. There's the, 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 the way that you do that is asking people to you know, talk about their, how engaged they are, but asking them questions about about what they're looking for and what getting them to really to commit in writing as opposed to it just being numbers yeah. of a survey of one to ten or one to five get you know allow the communication to come the other way so if you're going to create leader leader culture top down bottom up communication is critical creating uh, removing the barriers through communication i think if i was to say one critical strategy it's got to be that building regular frequent fluid communication strategies it will remove so much pain so much ambiguity that's sometimes left um and allow for freedom allow for belonging because it's i get where we're going and you're treating me in a way that is quite respectful you're telling me the good but you're telling me the bad as well yeah yeah, and I think you're right there. I mean, um, something that was introduced um, uh, throughout the pandemic, obviously, um, for us, um, we were suddenly not in an office together. So that communication became really fundamental. Um, and I know um, Rourke does a, a weekly update, um, which he calls an ARH update, but they are now a weekly thing. And we are years on now. Um, yeah. And we know to expect that. That comes whether he's, you know, abroad, on holiday, wherever it may be, we, we get a snippet of 
what the business is doing, generally lighthearted. Um, and yeah. ultimately, like, I think weekend just gone by, you know, it's going to be a hot one, you know, make sure you've got your SPF and put a hat on. So there's there's right. that sort of, um, that it always comes back to the, the people um, and sort of that you, you're working for an organisation that, that really cares. So, um, yeah, they're, they're generally a, a, a highlight of the, the week, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, and that's it. Sometimes it's not always about the business. Yeah. Um, you know, communication beyond the numbers, just as a set around the behaviours, is key. And then I think a big switch now, I know we talk about social events and social gatherings. People, it's not necessarily a desire for everybody. Yes. Um, one of the things I did with them, they said, look, we just can't seem to get everybody to our like, summer and Christmas events. And I said, we'll change it up. Bring them in throughout the day so that there's a reason for them to be there. It's part of their role. We're going to have to do a company update and then do something non-work based in the afternoon for those that would not necessarily come to the evening gathering because they want to be at home with their families. They don't really necessarily like going out sort of you know, drinking or anything like that, which isn't always the case or they, whatever it may well be. But you get them there for the day, but you do something social in the afternoon. And though for those that then want to do the evening bit, they can go off into the evening and enjoy that. And we, I'm actually doing that with that client this Wednesday. They've invited me along. But it means that everybody is part of a social, non-agenda-driven sort of experience. But it's not sort of you're going to have to come to a, an evening do, which isn't always for everyone, you know? And I think you're right there. I think um, that's something that we try and adopt here at Sims. And I think we have, you know, there almost had to be a reason for people to come back into the office. So it was like, what, well, what are we going to do? So it, it, we've done lunches um, and different things. But normally when we have our, our quarterly updates, there's there's some activity around that. Um, yeah. I think we had everybody make um, pizzas. We had someone come in. Um, and like you say, it, it, it gives even those that wouldn't necessarily change choose to do a social event um an opportunity to try something a little bit different um and uh, you get a, a tasty <laughs> pizza at the end of it <laughs> you <laughs> yeah well that and, and let's face it we, we can never grumble at that can we <laughs> um, so what are some of the key challenges um that companies may face when trying to achieve cultural alignment um and how can they overcome them I think it's about expectation uh, right from the beginning. Um, this is something, a lot of the things that you discuss here are intangible. Uh, they're, they're, they are kind of unmeasurable. It's a feeling that people feel, as I said, that feeling on a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that I say always is patience. This isn't something that you're going to see a direct impact and uh, and therefore it will take years. It's taken, I think, led by, by Rourke, there has always been... Uh, that feeling of colleagues first you know that's always been his biggest strategy um, and therefore it's been throughout the organization since it started for other businesses if they're looking to shift their culture they have to be um they have to manage their own expectations um, and also trust the process you work with experts that know what they're doing but also appreciate that this isn't going to be a bottom line uh, if it hit the bottom line immediately. Um, change, if you've got if you've got high attrition, that will take years to, to to change because you're fundamentally going to have to work through the organisation and get everybody collectively bought in. Um, and also, it's about um, 
is probably the hardest thing that you'll ever do because therefore with that patience means it's constant repetition. And and I'll give you an example in our business. Um, uh, Making decisions is something that I try and encourage people to do. I don't want all roads to lead to me. We're a, we're a micro business. Uh, we you know we 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 haven't got time for that. And I can sometimes go missing in terms of delivery and in client meetings for three whole days. I can't come back to then a list of things. And therefore, we always encourage it. We've developed people. We've done training around it to allow people to make those decisions. But I remember a moment where we'd done some training. We'd had this really great meeting. Everybody was not only understood it, but we developed them. They felt empowered. There was so much energy in the room. And six weeks later, there was an example where something had got stuck and um, in the process, in the decision-making loop. And I couldn't understand why. I sort of thought, so I've given permission. What more can I can I do? And actually, what giving permission once and doing some training didn't necessarily mean that people wouldn't default back to some of the the habits that they already had, which was it feels safer for someone else to make this decision with me. And therefore, I guess my point is patience and repetition, constantly repeating. Don't just do it once, maybe do it twice, run out of steam, not see the results. And that's what happens. I have worked in so many businesses where I hear the relaunching of their values or they're putting out new values. And it's almost a a loop uh, as opposed to assessing why didn't it work last time and what do we need to do differently? And I I have to say of all the businesses that we work with, Sims is probably the best example I have of never, ever relenting on making sure people feel safe, making sure people feel engaged, making sure people have the resources, making sure that we keep it fresh. You know, we're 10 years into a cycle of working together. And what we did 10 years ago around performance, we worked with you on that. But it's evolved now. That what we did 10 years ago isn't relevant in the now, and therefore we've changed it. And I think sometimes there is a bit of a habit of, right, vision, purpose, done. Values, done. Now we're going to go another level down. Behaviours, fantastic. Leadership culture, great. Six months later, look back. Why isn't everyone doing that? Well, because... There is a responsibility that the business continues to check, continues to challenge, you know, and and challenge high. You know, if people aren't being held to account for those behaviours, if you walk into a room or someone walks into a room 10 minutes late consistently and no one calls it out, I mean, what would you expect? You know, that's the point is everybody has a responsibility. Patience, repetition, Ask asking questions, open questions to your employees. What do you want to do? Keep them involved and trust in the process because it yeah. does work. There are examples all over the world of phenomenal cultures that mean that during a pandemic, they outperformed those that probably didn't have good cultures. So can you just uh, expand on that then? You said there's many examples. Maybe give us your, your top one or two that you... My my top one, and I, I, that sounds like it, it was, it's the perfect timing, but it sounds like we'd pl- practice that. My top one was something <laughs> that I stumbled uh, we I, that we I stumbled upon about six months ago. It's out there for everyone to see, but I was r- trying to think of a really relevant example around people's uh, response to change. It was actually around change that I was designing a piece for a client. And I looked at our world, so training organization, everything was face to face. 
And three years on, we now have three film studios that we live broadcast all over the world. We in turn use, as we are now Zoom, and we also use Teams, and we've used many other iterations. And one of the ones that we used in the very early stage was WebEx. And I remember thinking, where has WebEx gone? What has happened to WebEx? So at the start of the pandemic, um, WebEx had had 25 years to prepare, okay? Um, founded in 1995, um, one of the biggest organizations in the world when it, I mean, so far ahead of, of anybody else in terms of they were the original online meet platform. So you meeting platform, not meet as in M-E-A-T. Um, <laughs> I had to clarify that because that sounded really strange. Just in case. Um, <laughs> just in case. Um, 25 years, this was their moment. You know, you, you talk about you've trained off the pitch for however long. It's like, give me a a situation where the whole world has to go along. I would be there, you know, oh, my God, all, 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 aside the actual effects of the pandemic, we are here to help people. Then you got Zoom. In October that year, so the pandemic was the March time, yeah. I can't remember the exact date. Yeah. Um, October that year, Zoom had increased yeah. its um, uh, it, it, its share capital, what, what it was worth, yeah. um, by 822%. Yeah. So its value had increased on the stock market by 822%. WebEx had decreased by 24%. Zoom was set up in 2011. WebEx, 1995. Many more years to prepare, 11, uh, 16 years more to prepare, ready for something like this, and it decreased by 24%. Do you know what's really interesting? Is one of the original founding employees, uh, the first 20 employees, was a gentleman called Eric Huan. He left WebEx in 2011, and he started Zoom. Oh, Wow. He was, at the time when he left, the vice president of engineering. And he left due to growing frustration that they wouldn't create or sign off at the at board level an app-based communications platform. So he left and he built his own. Wow. And I think if you talk about those, those many examples of the way that people choose to think, and going back to your point around examples of where it, this this has really come to life, Zoom had zero failures uh, in terms of capacity failures, even though it went from 5 million to 300 million users. How? Because he created a culture whereby they had been told to prepare for 200 times the volume. It was embedded throughout the organization, yet WebEx. And there's so many examples. We know them in the UK. You've got a Blockbuster example or some yeah. of those companies. That yeah. WebEx weren't looking forward. And everybody became complacent and not ready. So if we talk about it in the concept of change, one organization fundamentally thrived because it had created an environment where people were preparing for to be the best versions of themselves, not rest on their laurels versus another company that had been around 16 years longer and their share capital decreased and their value decreased. So I think what going back to the original question in terms of um, 
you know, where where do we where where do we see it really have its biggest impact? There's an example, not just of people being happy, but people being connected to the purpose, people being um, connected to a way of thinking and working, being curious, always looking for ways to grow, always looking for ways to improve, ensuring that uh, their, their, their systems are completely and utterly stress tested versus one that went, we're all right, we're Webex, we're the biggest. And I'm sure there's lots more to it, but I'm telling you now, I know which one I would prefer to work in. It's the one that thinks forward, looks forward, looks to the future, doesn't settle, always looking for ways to grow, to develop. And I think if to that point, that's a really important thing is developing a culture that has a growth mindset, that if we talk about leadership, everybody is looking for ways to grow, to, to develop themselves individually and yeah. for the business overall. Now, that's really interesting. I think, like you say, the, there wasn't a person that hadn't done some Zoom quiz during that time. <laughs> so we were, all, we were all on it. <laughs> Absolutely. We would have all been suffering. But I know, you know, WebEx was a bit clunky um, and I'm sure they're making vast improvements, but we wouldn't have had some of those experiences. And it, you know, the business outgrew anything in its, in its marketplace at that time. That's it. And it shows the power of connection, doesn't it? And keeping people wherever you are. I think that that's that's the beauty of it, isn't it? So um, so I suppose in terms of success metrics, um, I suppose they, they've often seen as a sort of a soft measure. So how do you quantify um, if if culture is working or not? Yeah, I mean, it, it, we, we've used some examples there um, where businesses have directly grown by creating a culture, for instance, Zoom, where they prepare for 150 to 200 times the capacity. So that's an example of alignment in terms of thinking. And therefore, you can see a direct correlation. Uh, you know, we talk about the softer ones, but um, retention, uh, retention of, of people. Is, is a critical one. We talked about the impact. You know, in the UK, it's over thirty thousand pounds before somebody becomes probably truly productive within their role, and that's averaged out, of course. Um, but a lot of that is in the time it takes them to get up to speed, learn the business. So there's a there's another measure. Um, you can also look at um, the, the the scale of your headcount versus the growth of your organisation. You know, your the headcount within Sims has always been steady because everybody. Everybody fills their roles to the fullest, but also they go beyond just the day job. They, you know, they're, they're always mucking in. I know that most people within Sims have a little sort of side thing that they'll be working on or be part of or a couple, you know, and it's yeah. it's about and it seems easy in my uh, sort of business sizes. We're, 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 we're smaller than Sims, but, you know, it seems easier because everybody can see one another. Um but again, aligned to the behaviours, if everybody truly gets what they do, they adopt a, a mindset of being a leader regardless, they role model those behaviours, then what you should see is that you're getting uh, more out of the teams that you have. And I'm not talking about productivity. Productivity is a bit of a skewed measure because people try and measure productivity by you know, bums on seats, time on, logged in and bits and pieces. Again, um, often what tails off is business growth goes like this but people uh the amount of people that you bring in will never follow so when that starts to tail off you start to see difficulties within businesses so i you just you can see it in businesses where they're lean i worked with a pharmaceutical company in, in paris last year uh their turnover was over 400 million euros they had 250 people in the business it was just they were every single person was 
a machine in so many above ways. Not like, say again, sorry. Above and beyond. <laughs> above and be, uh, honestly, above and beyond. You know, my contact there headed up the talent, but also then took on communications and was supporting uh, L&D as well. And it was the three roles in other organisations whereby you would probably cut them up and distribute them differently. Now, I'm, again, I'm, what I'm not saying is that everybody, uh, the output of that is that business sold uh, for last year, but uh, 1.8 billion, and wow. it was the turnover was 400 million. You know, it was. Uh, I, I think on on its EBITDA, it's like an 18 times multiplier in terms of its, its sheer scale of its growth. That's how much the uh, acquisition company wanted it. Again, therefore, you, you you create lean, simple, clear ways of working, clear communication. Everybody was connected to the purpose. The results, therefore outturn not in productivity but in output yeah the output is higher because you know there's that peer-to-peer accountability everybody owns their job their roles they know what they're responsible for but they also challenge and uh, you know keep it clean um so there is so many measures down the line um but if you want to go down to the softer measures and go back to timpsons they ask one question of every colleague every year and that is um, that on their annual uh, their annual survey, it's on a scale of one to ten. How happy are you with your area leader? That's the only thing that they ask. Okay. And they see that if they're happy with their area leader, then they're creating a great environment. I really enjoyed that one. I, I we implemented um, the how do you feel on a Monday on a Sunday night about coming to work on a Monday, and we ask people, and that's yeah. a really good measure too. Um, fun as well I guess a bit a bit less uh corporate and to the <laughs> and standard but it is a good happiness is a is a good indication isn't it at the end of the day so um and it's hard to quantify in but um yeah simple measure I, I guess <laughs> um, so I suppose on recruitment then so sims we've we've obviously said we, we've our retention rates um are, are, are very good but um if we are you know, to attract um, new people to the business. Um, do you feel that if uh, in recruitment that a cultural fit is important um, and is it essential to that recruitment process? Yeah, I do. Uh, there, there's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword here because what you don't want to do is um, necessarily turn away talent and subject matter experts, people that really get the role. Um but what what you can do is you can explain. Um, it's interesting with company values. Then you can't your company values can't necessarily be someone else's values, but yeah. respecting them and being respectful of the fact that that's the organisation we are. Explaining clearly that whilst uh, someone may be um, a little more, let's say if you've got a culture where. I mean, again, you go back to the point, team sims. You can't come in and be a single player. You've got to come in and you've got to be part of the team and your contribution to that is measured. So, yes, I, I believe it's really, really important. Um, but I think it can be achieved with anybody. Yeah. Ultimately, unless somebody says, look, I'm coming in. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to engage. I just want to come in, do my job. I'll make you loads of money in sales. And I just want to be left alone. Please don't make me go to social events. It's not for me. 
I don't even think that's about culture. <laughs> like there will be environment. That's just environment. That's just kind of not how this business works. And therefore, you've got those standouts. Whereas done well and done with great storytelling and great engagement, there's no reason that anybody shouldn't buy into to what you're doing and where you're going. Their role is only part of the story. Um, and therefore, it's not about you musts. It's about do you do you believe in this? Is this yeah. do, do, does this sing true to you? This is a two way decision because this, this is the type of organisation that we are. This is what we believe in. This is what we stand for. This is how we treat one another. Is yeah. that the type of organisation that you want to work with? Because if it's not, no judgment passed. Yeah. But that's a decision that's got to be part of your decision making process in us in you choosing our organisation. Is that that's the kind of people that we are? Um, and I think that's right for both parties. Absolutely. I about- think that's it. That two-way street, isn't it? Um, it's got to be right for, for both individual and business. Um, and I suppose that's that's down to the onboarding process, isn't it, really? That if you are starting, that that there is that time to adjust and, and understand yeah. and, 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 and become or feel part of a, a team. Um, and that's not something that just initially happens overnight. It does take um, time. And then obviously sessions, et cetera, with uh, obviously organisations like Revolve to to know to understand those um so that you know those behaviors etc um that, that really help um shape i suppose pers- how somebody continues in an organization so that's um yeah really good um so okay so probably getting close in, closer to, to wrapping up um but i suppose um in your career you must have seen a variety of businesses transform um i know you've mentioned zoom but are there any um others that stick out that have successfully um, achieved cultural alignment and, and seen real business benefits of it you ah. um, <laughs> me personally <laughs> you, you, you were part of you were part of that journey. Forgive me, I've got the uh, the office line is completely ringing off, but um, I'm, I'm hopefully you're not picking it up too much. Um, I, I, I'm not just saying this for for those that, that are listening, but actually for the people that will be watching this, will probably know Sims. And I would say that if you want to know how the Sims have done it, or you want to know get some good ideas, speak to to, to Claire to Rourke. Um, it isn't done for uh because it has to be done it's done because it's inherently you know part of the dna of the organization it does start with rourke um i enjoy every every time i spend time in your business because you said it at the start you're part of the sims family you know you're here i walk in um and it's it's got all of the history that it's always had Uh, and as the the numbers have increased um that what it hasn't created is um a difference in the way that people choose to think and be kind and treat one another it is the best example um because i've been so involved with it um but also the pursuit if if you said to me what would be your advice um the the, the business has never given up um in terms of staying staying relevant for its for its colleagues making sure its colleagues feel connected making sure that there's development there making sure that people feel feel connected making sure that people feel part of the family part of the team you know um all of those things and keeping it fresh yeah and understanding that you have to keep investing yeah i think for this for, for the business that sims is it out invests 
I mean, if you were to do a percentage, and I'm, I haven't done it in preparation for today because it probably wouldn't be appropriate, but the amount you invest in culture, people, engagement, um, happiness, I think outweighs, you know, if you did it on a scaling system, most of the business that we work with. Um, and therefore, there isn't a better example I can personally say that I've been connected to, but also directly seen the outputs of all of the measures, retention, um, we talked about business growth, um, output. You know, we talked about output. It's one of the biggest things. You, you're all doing uh, your role and a little bit more in every part of the business. So if you want to know, just keep looking at yourselves because no. you are absolutely brilliant and you're a, you're a pleasure to work with. And anybody that watches this, I would highly recommend that if you want to know how to have a word with Claire and Rourke um, and, and the and the great people in the business. Amazing. Well, thank you. And we we didn't pay you to say that. <laughs> no, you but, didn't. You didn't. <laughs> um, but I think you're right. I think it's nice. I think our partnerships that we have, I mean, we all have our mug with our name on, don't we? And I know you've got yours in the cupboard, Luke. So uh, when have. you come in and do our training. So hopefully that's felt. Um, and um, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, and actually a really proud factor, obviously working for an organisation, but to hear that obviously a third party um, sort of say that you're working for a, you know, a business that um, is you know to aspire to um i think that's a, a, a great credit so um thank you really appreciate that um well thank you for today um it's been an utter pleasure um i've really enjoyed our discussion so um and if people want to access any more information um about revolving your services where should they go Everything's on our uh, website, all of our contact details. So if they head to revolve-leadership.com, uh, you'll be able to find out more about who we are, what we do, um, and most importantly, how we do it. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a pleasure too. Thank you for for, for inviting me to be part of this. Um, yeah, it's it's been really good fun now. Amazing. Well, I look forward to seeing you when you're next down. <laughs> thanks for it shouldn't be too long. I think we're, we'll be back in a couple of months. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mum. Take care. Bye.